Welcome to the Film The Geek Collective. Today we're going to be talking about the history of 3D. I'll save shoutouts for the end, but this is going to be a clean episode, alright? So, without further ado, let's go. So, in the late 1890s, William Frice Green, sorry if I mispronounced that, had a patent filed for a special 3D process. Two films in a side-by-side fashion were projected, where a device known as a stereoscope combined the two images to create illusion of depth. Thus, stereoscopic 3D was born, but because of all the mechanics, it simply was not practical for theatrical use. Now, let's fast forward to June 10, 1915, and we have Edwin S. Porter and William E. Waddle, who created tests with a red-green anaglyph, a stereoscopic 3D effect which uses a different colour for each eye to filter two images and place them together, usually red and blue, red and green, pink and green, but the stereotypical colours are red and blue. There were exactly three reels worth of material from these two men. One standard 35mm reel being 11 minutes. You know, test reels, like one with scenes of rural land. Demonstration shots of early silent film actress Marie Doro. A little bit with stage actor John Mason playing passages, a number of them, from the 2D film Jim the Pen Man. A film from the famous players Lasky Company, a company that was was the predecessor to Paramount Pictures, one of the current six major studios. A scene with Oriental dancers. And finally, an entire reel of footage dedicated to Niagara Falls. These three reels were the only ones presented in Porter and Waddle's process. On September 27, 1922, the Ambassador Hotel Theatre, located in LA, played The Power of Love and a camera rig was created for it with the two lenses on two film strips. It was filmed in black and white, and later single-strip prints were done in colour. Not native full colour, but presumably colour drawn onto the frame as was custom for the time. Harry K. Farrell used a type of colour film that allowed 3D to be presented on a single projector, but obviously viewers would still have to wear 3D glasses. William Van Doren Kelly, who helped invent the Prismacolor system in 1913, cashed in on the very early and then still niche 3D craze, inspired by Farrell's process for the power of love. And uh, he made a deal with Samuel Roxy Rotherfell, so he could begin his Plasticon series of shorts. The first that premiered was titled Movies of the Future, playing at New York City's Rivoli Theatre. But... Let's go forward against the 1950s, a revolutionary time where we had widescreen processes like Cinemascope and VistaVision and Super Panavision 70 and Ultra Panavision 70 and more and more things had to come along to impress audiences lured into their homes and trapped there by televisions. So we had the first big 3D craze with a film called Buana Devil in 1952, promising the miracle of the age, a lion in your lap, a lover in your arms. The reception for the film was polarising, more so with critics than audiences, as audiences were seeing 3D on a wide scale for the first time. Still, some audiences still hated it. Now, at the time of release, Life magazine took black and white photos of people wearing 3D glasses, One image became so famous, it was used as a cover for an anniversary edition. An error in the 3D version is that Buona Devil used rear projection. Let me give you a bit of background on rear projection. It's a technique where some something would literally be projected behind actors on set. A piece of B-roll footage like travelling along roads or like in North by Northwest, a plane flying over the camera in a separate piece of footage to make it look like the actor had a plane fly over him. They used rear projection, 
but in Buona Devil, it appeared like 2D footage behind 3D actors, an unfortunate side effect of filming 2D B-roll. United Artists bought Buona Devil for 500000 from the original company and bought a share of the total profits of the film. Now, since this was a major release in 3D, this influenced Warner Brothers to release the horror film House of Wax in 1953, allowing House of Wax to be advertised as the first 3D film from a major studio. However, in 1953, United Artists was a major studio, disproving this fact, and United Artists... <clears throat> Sorry, UA stopped being a major in 1981, one year after the colossal disappointment of Heaven's Gate and the meticulous perfectionism of that film's director, Michael Cimino. So, yeah, who before that he directed The Deer Hunter, which won Best Picture, allowing total creative freedom on Heaven's Gate and a uh, campaign by Kodak, which went to the effect of, if you can't do something perfectly, why do it at all? It was a slightly different slogan, but you get my drift. So, yeah, Heaven's Gate ran over budget, and Chimino never got to do such a big film again. So that's an additional note of how United Artists stopped being a major. But at the time, they were a major. Most of United Artists now belongs to Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer. So, anyway, Buena Devil directly influenced the releases of House of Wax and Dial M for Murder, the latter directed by Alfred Hitchcock. The Three Stooges even did a two-reel short subject in 3D. 3D was not too popular in the 1960s and 1970s, although you did get the occasional release like Flesh for Frankenstein. But in the 1980s, there was a resurgence with slasher films like Friday the 13th Part 3, and even in the early 1990s, Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. 3D in the 1950s and 1980s was all about throwing stuff at the audience. In Freddy's Dead, it's limited to a roughly 10-minute segment toward the end. Some films would tell you to take 3D glasses on and off. Now, through the 1950s and 1980s period, the cardboard glasses with the cellophane lenses were used, using colours I mentioned earlier, like red and blue, but the process changed in the 2000s with 3D glasses that looked more like sunglasses. They darkened the image a bit from the normal brightness of a screen. In fact, a relatively recent re-release of Terminator 2 Judgment Day deliberately brightened up the image so that it would be of normal brightness when you put on your 3D glasses. But for many blockbusters of the mo modern age, Mission Impossible Fallout or Mad Max Fury Road or Avengers Infinity War will constantly be released in 3D, although 2D screenings are proving more popular these days because some people with vision problems can't quite see 3D, some people they complain it hurts their eyes. Animated films are quite often released in 3D, such as Frozen or, or Tangled or any Pixar film from Up Onward, any CGI Disney film from Bolt Onwards, and even re-releases of older titles like The Nightmare Before Christmas, Titanic and The Wizard of Oz. DreamWorks Animation started doing it for theatrical releases from Monsters vs. Aliens onward, although there are 3D editions of stuff like Shrek and Shrek 2 and Kung Fu Panda, you know? But 3D can be great for your movie. Even if you're not merely content with throwing objects at the screen, you can add infinite depth to your picture. Sorry, depth. <clears throat> ah, stuff, and I'm not going to pronounce it to your picture, and make deep focus even more prominent using the background, middle ground, and foreground. 3D, like any tool, may be kind of overused and abused sometimes for stuff like Piranha 3D. 
you know, resulting in shoddy transfers from things that were filmed in 2D but edited for 3D. Some films are filmed natively for 3D, and James Cameron helped make the fusion camera system to use first on Avatar to create its revolutionary 3D. 3D is a good storytelling device because, given that you use it properly, it can work wonders. I've heard of experiences like there's a particular scene in Tangled where it looks like things are flying out of the screen slowly. Or things with infinite depth like, you know, the Avatar. Avatar is said to be like a really prominent 3D thing, you know. So yeah, sadly 3D's on the decline in home media. 4K TVs don't support 3D and Blu-ray 3D titles have been quietly phased out in quite a few countries. You need a 3D TV and a 3D Blu-ray player, which some people might own if they're lucky. But I should mention region-free Blu-ray players, to my knowledge, don't play 3D. 4K discs are region-free by themselves, but can only be played on 4K machines. But back to 3D. As far as I know, you can play 3D discs in your region. If you if you have an Xbox One, you know, you can go to the settings, turn on 3D, which you can find those tips somewhere on Google. So another thing. Films don't have to be in colour to be 3D. Just look at the famous Creature of the Black Lagoon from 1954 or Frankenweenie from 2012, a stop-motion remake directed by Tim Burton of his own 1984 short film. But yeah, 3D these days, you know, lately I've been seeing stuff like Rise of Skywalker and Avengers Endgame in 2D because I'm just not particularly fussed about the 3D showings. You know, I like a good 3D film. I like one with good depth. <clears throat> depth, sir. Yes, I finally pronounced the word. Look. <laughs> so yeah, Martin Scorsese's first use of 3D was in Hugo, I believe. And yeah, James Cameron pioneered it with the Avatar and soon after that re-released Titanic and Terminator 2 that way. But yeah, things like that. Major filmmakers are still using 3D today for various event films. Some people still go to see it in 3D, especially in IMAX, where... You have a massive screen and infinite depth, depth, you know? Like, the last film I went to see in IMAX was Captain Marvel, which had a really great sense of depth about it. You could see just it was more than a 2D screening, you know? You know what I mean. IMAX has always been really good at making the image nice and deep, you know? But, yeah... I reckon IMAX is the best cinema to view these event films in. Sadly, in Sydney, where I, where I uh, am living, the IMAX theatre is being rebuilt. So I had to go see that in Melbourne, you see. So yeah, I'm finally going to uh, give an end to this episode. So shout-outs to the following people. Three, two, one, here we go! Shoutouts to Elsie Cool, Tessie Cat, Mary Amber, Ashley Slashy, that Patrick Guy, Autistic in Melbourne, Larry1937262, one Liz Slade, Saved by His Grace72, Real Sharks Podcast, aka Riri Shaku, and My Belly Unicorn. Well, that's all, ladies and gentlemen. Now, let me give you a word. You're always welcome to the film at Geek Collective, alright? And don't you ever, ever, ever forget it, alright? You're all welcome. Peace out. <laughs>